The Athletic. Well, hello and welcome to a special bonus episode of the Racist Formula E podcast as we preview the season finale in London this week. We do this in the presence of an extra special guest and that is a Neil McLaren team principal, Ian James. So Ian, welcome to the show. Good morning. Great to great to be here. I didn't realise it was a special bonus episode, so I feel uh, I feel doubly uh, uh, yeah uh, privileged to to be here. So no, thank you for having me on. And joining me as always is the race's uh, intrepid Formula E explorer, Sam Smith. Sam, are you looking forward to bringing a uh, curtain down on what's been uh, one of the longest Formula E seasons? I reckon. Well, it does. I, the Valencia test seems more than what is it eight months ago now um and obviously i think the fact that there was so much that was um that was late and and rushed and um just the sense of getting things together for this new rule set sort of made it extra long as well you know these it's easy to forget that these teams and these drivers have been testing this uh this interesting gen 3 car since sort of last june time so yeah it's been an extra long season it feels like the season actually stretches back to last summer somewhat and i'm sure it does for the teams and the the mechanics and the engineers who i'm sure need a recharge of batteries and in many ways um, looking ahead to this final race weekend of the season uh and obviously we are looking ahead but it be remiss of us not to uh, talk about the previous race weekend while you're here one of the more dramatic in in formula e history with some sort of terrifying accidents and probably the most significant clash between the championship championship leaders since that one in battersea way back in season two but how was it for for you and your team <laughs> I'm, I'm quite okay if we skip over it, to be honest with you, and, and don't really feel the need to revisit it. I mean, you, you've just um, mentioned, obviously, it was, it was an incredibly dramatic race, and we did have, um, certainly on the Saturday, a, um, a significant incident which saw a coming together of a number of cars, and it just goes to show again um, how far we've come over over the last years and decades in terms of safety, and it was great to see, despite the um, the gravity of that uh, that situation, uh, all the drivers walking away relatively unscathed. So that first and foremost is uh, is is the most important thing. Um, but for us, it was. Um, yeah, I suppose the end of a, a, if I'm honest, a pretty torrid run. Um, we've had five five races now, five events which have been um, almost pointless uh, for us, uh, literally speaking. And um, it, it's 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 frustrating because there hasn't been one single thing which is which has really uh, caused that um, that that poor poor runner form um, and in Rome it was doubly frustrating because we actually saw from the the car from the package the drivers that we had um, really really great pace so um, so after the initial FP sessions we we were expecting to be in in a strong position um, unfortunately it uh, started to unravel a little bit with um, a mistake from from Jake in his uh, initial qualifying run which sent him into the wall and uh, that was the end of, of his day on, on Saturday um, and then with with Rene 
his race was actually running very, very well up until that, that uh, major incident that we uh, that we spoke about a second ago. Um, and unfortunately, after the race was red flagged and we came into the pits, we uh, we had a technical issue on the car, which uh, goes to show that you need to uh, make sure that you've got the reliability as well as the performance uh, under control. And unfortunately, things didn't really get much better on Sunday. Um, again, through through no fault of, of the drivers, um, we uh, uh, ended up being caught up in um, in another incident, which uh, which again put us right on the back foot because we had to pit uh, pit both cars. So, uh, yeah, a very very frustrating weekend for us. Um, I think on reflection, even on Sunday, although I think it wasn't uh, something that drivers could really have done to avoid, um, you know, we need to be honest with ourselves and say that if we're going to qualify in a position that's not going to be right at the front, then it's always going to be, uh, it's always going to increase the risk. So there's definitely things that we can do as a team um, to improve going forward. And we now need to knuckle down and make sure that we can end the season on a high. And that's where, where the focus lies at the moment. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll talk about your season in in general in a, in a bit more depth later on. But no, obviously we're here to to preview the finale. So Sam, uh, we've talked about it being a three or four horse race, but really it's it's a it's a one horse race, isn't it? Is this this is Dennis's to lose now? Feels like it. Yeah, it does. Um, Twenty four point advantage with with fifty eight to play for. Um, you'd say that he's can play the percentage game. Unfortunately, in Formula E, if you want to play the percentage game, you often find yourself in the midst of the the midfield maelstrom or you you get involved in people's fights that you don't need to be involved with. So it's not that straightforward. I think Ian can probably attest to that a little bit. If we rewind pretty much a year ago, Stoffel van Dorn left the XL with a 36-point advantage. And then after the Saturday in Seoul, it looked like there was a genuine title fight on our hands when Mitch Evans won. But still, Stoffel was able to get the points that he needed and was, was quite comfortable at the end. How it's going to play out in London, will Jake Dennis play the percentage game? I've got a feeling that he will enter that Saturday with exactly the same mindset that he's had this season, which is to to maximise, obviously, the the clearly great package that, that Porsche has provided Avalanche Andretti with this season and the way that he's been able to to maximise that with this unbelievable set of consistent points finishes that he's had which stretches back now to um, to Berlin so second place third place second place second second fourth and a win and pole and fastest lap since Berlin I mean that that is the foundation of his title isn't it I mean the 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 initial building blocks were back in those first three races and then he had a dip for four races uh, and then that amazing set of results that I just mentioned so I think he will go into that Saturday thinking he can get a podium at least he's won there twice before albeit in a different um, a different car of course but if he does that and he gets a podium irrespective of what Nick Cassidy does or potentially Mitch Evans I think that, um, that that will be pretty much job done. And even if he's got to claim a point or two on Sundays, he's obviously incredibly capable of doing that. I think the chances are that he'll wrap the title up on Saturday and then we can enjoy a, a no, no holds barred um, bare knuckle fight on Sunday, which uh, the Excel usually provides anyway. Yeah, he's the hot favourite, 
but look, this is Formula E. You can easily get sucked into somebody else's incident or accident and you can find yourself outside the points. But one thing's for sure is that Nick Cassidy probably has to win or at least get a second place on on Saturday. So let's see. It's all. It's, I mean, it's still to play for, but yeah, Jake Dennis is the red-hot favourite. Ian, you've got more experience than most of going into these situations. Give us a little bit of insight into the mindset of the team and especially the team principal going into that. What what advice can you give, you know, the driver in that scenario? You know, just keep out of the wall and stay out of trouble, I guess. Yeah, I mean, as, as Sam's just alluded to, it's, it's the consistency, which is absolutely key. We saw that last year with, with Stoffel as well. Um, he... He scored points in in every single race bar, bar Mexico, and and that really was the foundation of, of his championship. And and I think Jake's done a, a phenomenal job, especially over the last uh, the last few races, to to really build up that foundation on his side as well. And I think he's going to be going into London very confident. It's a it's a circuit he seems to um, excel at. If you excuse excuse the pun, and um, it's I expect him to go in there. Um, and really not want to be in that midfield position. So I think he's going to be, you know, striving to qualify well. I think the team's going to probably um, support him in that as well. Um, and if we look at what's happened with the others, I think with Pascal and Porsche dropping off a little bit now, um, and obviously with the incident between Mitch and, and Nick, that will that will also have um, have buoyed his confidence. That being said. Um, this is Formula E and stranger things have happened. Um, so last year, the Saturday was uh, was a, a bit of a wake-up call for us as well. Um, that that gap that you have, that, that comfort blanket gets eroded very, very quickly indeed if you're not careful. Um, and, you know, from a fan's perspective, if I sort of look at it from that, that side of things, it would be great to go into the Sunday and have two or three drivers with uh, still in the, in with the chance of getting the championship. Um, and to that end, it's a shame in a way that that incident on Sunday in Rome happened the way it did, because I think going into, uh, into London with, um, again, two or three or even four uh, that could still have a realistic shot at the uh, the title um, would have been great. But no, I think at the end of the day, it's, uh, it's Jake's to lose and um, he'll be, uh, he'll be, I think um, in the right mindset going into, into London. Yeah, I completely agree. If, if we had been going in with those three separated by what, 10 points, 12 points, something like that tops, we would have been up for an absolutely epic contest, but as it is, it, it, it is what it is, Sam. Have you, have you worked out what Cassidy, mathematically has to do or is it just like you said if it's it's a win or bust well as the uh, schools broke up yesterday there was some extra maths homework for my daughter and i've been busy with that i'm afraid so i haven't done that yet but it's very much on my my job list to uh to dip back into my woeful gcse maths exertions from 30 years ago and try and work that out yeah but i i mean uh, so tw- a matrices isn't it that's what you need to create if i have my gcse mass i have got no idea what they are or what <laughs> what they could be um so i'm going to concentrate on on just looking at um yeah i mean i th- I, th- I think with a i think you've the teams will be looking at it almost separate the the races because I'm pretty sure that the races will be uh, to different laps of they, as they have been at the last two double headers that we've we've had in Rome and Jakarta. And the FIA do like to mix things up. And one of the key things for me from a 
um, sporting format perspective will be how much usable energy there is. I mean, there's 38 kilowatt hours available for the majority of this season. It started with 40 and then was reduced. London is the most um, likely circuit to have a flat-out race because of the nature of the track. Interestingly as well, and I'm not sure our listeners will know uh, the details of this, but there has been a significant track change to London. So oh God, now, talk us through it, Sam. What, yeah, how's uh, it uh, changed? Uh, where the attack zone was, the, the hairpin that has been reprofiled, and the corners uh, after that, turn, I believe, turn seventeen to eighteen, have changed significantly. Actually, so because we saw it, quite a lot of carnage there, didn't we? As guys were coming around that corner, as people were merging out of attack zone, and they didn't, they just naturally filed into the same line, didn't they? That's right. Yeah, they did. And there was, there's was there been multiple contacts there over the years. And I expect that now. I've got an overlay. I'm looking at the overlay. And you'll be able to see this on uh, the-race.com very shortly, um, certainly when this podcast goes live. And it, the, the, the distance in the braking area has been shortened. But on the exit, it is now not so severe. So it should make for better overtaking opportunities there. And then instead of looping back around, it goes, there's a short straight before a left and right complex coming back into the the exhibition hall so i think this will be although it shortens the lap distance i think it will improve overtaking opportunities which i've got a feeling might be needed because the race will have an element of the flat out or at least one of the races will so all very interesting that's exactly the sort of stuff that um ian's engineering gang will be talking their drivers uh, Rene rast and jake hughes through in the simulator in the coming days and understanding what this might mean for the race i think for for, for jake dennis that there, there is clearly an affinity with this circuit he's won twice there in the last two years and, and probably should have won another one but for a mistake in the second race last year when lucas degrassi managed to to vault him so yeah I, I think it's 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 going to be fascinating to see how the teams apply this these changes and i think it will become a talking point uh, as we get closer to the weekend Ian, this is the third iteration of the uh, xl london race it's really established itself now hasn't it and, and how important is it that we have that sort of for one of a better phrase marquee city like a london especially since sort of races like new york and paris have dropped off the calendar I, I think it's incredibly important. Um, I remember when, you know, obviously I, I came into FE after uh, we'd had the, the race in Battersea. Um, we'd had a couple of years without anything in London and then and then it came into to the current location at, at Excel. And I remember at the time a lot of scepticism around it, a lot of people saying that it was just a race around the car park, that it was not what Formula E needed. I think it's 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 put all of those doubters um, to bed. I think it's it's a, a cracking location. Um, we've had some great racing there in the past. The atmosphere is second to none. Um, I mean, I'll be telling uh, Jake Hughes, uh, my driver, obviously, that, that all of those screams of the crowd for, for Jake, not for Jake Dennis, but for him <laughs> actually, and depends by his confidence. But you know, Jake is Jake Dennis is is, is well loved there. Um, the it, you know, it, it really gives you sort of goosebumps when you're standing inside and you can hear the crowd going and you've got the music and the lights. So I think it's it's really established itself very, very well as a, as a, a, f- a phenomenal race. It also goes back to, you know, when, when I first joined FE, there was this, this, this real focus on making each race 
an event you know we had some great racing but at the same time there was you know concerts going on and, and other things for for fans that were coming down who maybe weren't traditional motorsport fans and i thought that was the, you know the a real usp that um that, that formerly had and unfortunately with covid that kind of put pay to that for a couple of years and we've seen a resurgence in that now and um, we've seen it coming back to to really that in, 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 initial philosophy that it had um, and i think london demonstrates that beautifully so i think it's a it's a great place it's it's typically easy to get to uh, tube strikes not notwithstanding <laughs> yeah um and it's uh, i think it provides great entertainment as well as great racing as well and i think um i think that's a a, a very um, powerful template for, for other Formula e events as well. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And um, and while it was really an unsuitable venue for racing, what Battersea did brilliantly was in the in the middle of the park. They had this enormous area where they had these fan zones and stages where bands were going on, and there was all sorts of food and drink and whatever concessions. In the second year, especially, there was a solid fifteen twenty thousand people in there, and the atmosphere was amazing. And I think the more that Formula E can harness and and tap into that, the better. And as you rightly say, it's so easy to get to. Uh, XL that non-traditional race fans can actually stumble upon it and and, and have a great day out. Uh, Sam, how do you feel about about how it's established its uh, place on the calendar? I think it's been very strong. I think that crucial year last year when it was properly established, 2021, was um, there were very few spectators there because of the the knock-on of COVID, as Ian said. I think it was it was mind blower last year how big it was and how well run it was and how well received it was and I think it's just terrific I think it's kind of like um it's not the hidden gem of of British motorsport I think it's an emerging one I think in years to come it will be a key event in the British motorsport landscape and last year the um, the promise of the event as a whole I thought was tremendous I wrote about it extensively in a column and just was blown away by how good the show was and i think harnessing that indoor outdoor nature has been a a real visionary piece of thinking by formerly and I, I i'm just kind of a bit surprised and i'm sure it'll happen again in the future that it's not happened elsewhere yes it happened in seoul but it was a very different setup with the the olympic stadium uh, tokyo will have a similar vibe i think but won't go inside and outside and that sort of unique and, and an innovative way of bringing race into to fans and gearing it up for the fan is great the, the one criticism i have is that they there could be more people there in terms of more capacity for um, for spectators. I think there's a slight reduction, if I'm not wrong, this year because of development work that's been done in the Eastern Car Park, hence the track change that I mentioned before. That's the yeah, one they've been area. very unfortunate with that, haven't they? Because it was limited by COVID, then it was, it, yeah. Yeah, like say, you've got the, the works there. So it's yeah. true potential yet to be seen at all. I think so. And But, but uh, what I like is the fact that, you know, it seems like, the Excel and Formula E, who I know have got a very good working relationship. I spoke to the uh, the MD of Excel last year and, and discussed it with him. This is a long-term agreement, and I don't see any reason why it can't be extended beyond, I think, 2025. So... Yeah, I mean it's it's got all the ingredients to make a, an excellent event. I've you know my family came last year and, and absolutely loved it. It was one of the highlights of their year, and they are very much non-racing fans. They just came inquisitively to try and understand why I disappear for half the year on what they call holidays. <laughs> um, but <laughs> it was it was great, um, and I think the 
I, as what I hear is that it'll get bigger and better. And if the racing is better because they've made modifications to the circuit, and this is the third year in succession they've done that, then uh, they're they're living and they're learning and they're, they're they're making the changes that are needed to make the the product better too. So, yeah, very much looking forward to it. And I think actually the overall point is it is a natural end to the season, a real big showcase event to end the season i see mexico being the natural start and it will be again next season and to top it and tail it with such a um, an extravaganza as london is is, is terrific and it, you know that that sort of momentum lives on into the to the off season i think to some extent um so yeah i think it's a a great way to end the season so ian as you mentioned 12 months ago you came here with mercedes with stoffel leading the championship it's fair to say quite a lot has changed over that last period of time. And I'm sure this answer could probably fill a book, but could you just sort of give a, a, a brief overview of, of how the last 12 months have sort of panned out for you and the team of people that you've got working around you? Yeah, it's, I'm, I'm just, you know, delighted that we were able to find a way to, to continue and to start a new chapter um, for the team. We, you know, I've said before back last year when, when we knew that Mercedes was coming out that I felt that we built something very, very special and it would have been a tragedy had it just sort of petered out at that point um, and the support we got to to then find uh, a way forward, find a, a future for the team was 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 phenomenal. Um, you know, all credit has to go to to, to Neon, um, our longtime partner with uh, initially with with Mercedes and now with McLaren as well, and, and and stepping up to become title partner, not only of this team but of, of McLaren Electric Racing, uh, including Extremely, has 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 really made the the the, the difference. Um, and then obviously we've we've transitioned now to become part of the the McLaren Racing family, which is um, which is a real privilege, and and all of the heritage that goes along with that. You know, McLaren Racing as a whole is celebrating its 60th anniversary this year. So um, you know, there's there's a lot of heritage there, and and to to really be part of of McLaren's future is um, is something that we that we certainly don't take for granted and uh, and want to make sure that we can get back to the success that we've, we've enjoyed in the, in the past. Um, and to that end, I'm just very, very proud of, of the way that the team has um, has managed the, the transition as well. It's it's not an easy thing when you move from, from one organization to another. And it was, it was key for, for all of us that we didn't just sort of cut and paste what we'd done before, but really became woven into the fabric of, of McLaren Racing. Um, they've been incredibly welcoming to us and, and, and it's it's now not them and us, it's very much we as uh, as, as, as McLaren Racing and, and we feel very much part of that. Um, and, and of course, you know, there are challenges which come with it as well. We've um, alluded to it right at the start. We've not performed um, at the level that, that we expect um up until now and there's been a myriad of reasons for that um the one rule that i have is is very much that you know we're, we're in motorsport we're in competition we're gonna we're gonna push the boundaries so mistakes will be made um but as long as we learn from those mistakes and don't make them twice then um then then that's all well and good and, and despite the the bumpy ride we've had so far um we've certainly not repeated any mistakes so i'm, I'm very very confident about the uh, about the future and one of the things that, that that really the kind of the advantages that we've got at the moment of being part of the McLaren family is that 
obviously we've got Formula One, we've got IndyCar, we've got Formula E Extreme eSports. E and the culture at, at Woking at the McLaren Technology Center and in the group as a whole is, is changing at the moment for the better. It's becoming very, very open. Um, you know, I, I speak with Andrea Stella on a, on a, on a fairly regular basis. I've been out to a couple of the, um, the F1 Grand Prix this year. I've been out to IndyCar to see how Gavin Ward runs his operation out there and vice versa. You know, some of the F1 guys and IndyCar guys have, have visited us in FE and we're, we're, we're learning from each other. Um, and that, that I think is an incredibly potent, um, opportunity and something that we'll continue to, to build on. So that's all very, very exciting. And then finally, you know, Formula E is very much for, from a Neon McLaren electric racing, the, um, the, the main focus alongside Extreme, of course. But I want this very much to become a center of excellence for, for, for non combustion engine motorsport. And I think we're, we're very, very well positioned to do that now. So the future's looking, uh, the future's looking very, very bright indeed. Yeah, no, it sounds uh, sounds incredibly positive. So, is, is the integration complete now, or is there another big tranche of work that needs to play, take place once this season is finished? I, I don't think it's ever ever complete in terms of you know operationally. We've we've now um, got our, our simulator down at uh, at the McLaren Technology Centre in Woking. We've got our new operation uh, for McLaren Electric Racing up at Vista Heritage, which is a fantastic location. And for those who are listening who know a little bit about the two locations, they couldn't be more polar opposite, but I kind of love that about it. There's a great juxtaposition there and you kind of get the best of both worlds, which is great. In terms of further transition, it's, it's really just leveraging those synergies that we've got now and making sure that um, we're using all the opportunities we've got of being part of the group and the beauty with, you know, Zach is incredibly supportive of ensuring that each element within McLaren Racing is tasked with developing the culture of the group as, as a whole. And I think that's the, those are the next steps is making sure that with the changes that we've got throughout each series, that we're, we're making the most of that and, and, and growing together. So it's, um, as I say, it's an exciting time to be part of that journey. Hi, producer Johnny here interrupting the show momentarily to tell you about Roan, a clothes brand we think you'd like. I don't know about you, but finding clothes you like can be tough. Sizes can vary from brand to brand, and fabrics can be poor quality or uncomfortable. We all know a good outfit can impact your confidence and help you feel your best, and that's where Roan comes in. Their range of stylish, functional, business casual menswear helps you look good without having to think about it. It's versatile, high quality and durable, and works in a range of social and professional settings. Roan's commuter collection includes products for every occasion, including the world's most comfortable pants, dress shirts, quarter zips, polos and blazers. It also features, and get this, wrinkle release technology and gold fusion anti-odor technology for more wears between washes, so you'll be fresh and clean all day long. Roan were kind enough to send me a shirt and some pants from the commuter collection, and I can tell they're going to be part of my wardrobe for a long time to come. The commuter collection could get you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next. Head to roan.com forward slash race and use promo code race to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to rhone.com forward slash race and use code race. It's time to find your corner office comfort.
Sam, when we did this uh, show, when you'd come back from Valencia in a test, there was a lot of uh, doom-mongering, should we call it that, about the Gen 3 car, the reliability of certain elements of it and, and things like that. But none of that's mentioned now. Uh, there's probably a feeling that some of this Peloton pack racing might not be ideal and there should maybe a few tweaks with that. But it's, it's formally, uh, finally on top of the challenges of Gen 3 now. Um, yes, mostly. Uh, there, there are still issues. I mean, they, they just don't get um, covered as much because, as you say, the racing has been terrific. The end, nobody can argue that the end product hasn't been great, especially in the context of the challenges and difficulties of Gen 3 back at the, the back end of last year in particular and the start of this. Um, I think in the, the overall... Um, context of the title battle it's going to be interesting to pick out from some of the technical directors how the the whole project has evolved because a lot of the money well all of the manufacturers were compromised by a, a battery shortage for the first four months of this year which i think was quite significant on how they then adapted to the situation and and how their cars and their packages progressed. So that 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 was quite fundamental. There were other things such as the those neon lights which never seem to work. Um, that's neon, not neon. Ian. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> the, uh, the, the, the lights that uh, the the halo lights and so forth on the cars, which they had lots of bugs in. Um, the spares shortage, obviously, that I think will could become a factor for London with the the devastation of the the war zone that was turn five, turn six at Rome. I think that'll be a topic for teams to keep on top of. But look, at the end of the day, this is motor racing. We know the culture of racing is you've got to get the show on the road, and it always gets on the road. And problems have been overcome. Uh, that included the obviously the, the sort of the headline grabbing uh, rear brake um, topic, which um, reared its head several times with with major shunts ahead of the season. So it's it's not been easy. I think when you look at the faces of some of the mechanics and some of the engineers and even some of the team principals, you see that it's been a hell of a season. Um, and there's going to be some, yeah, there's going to be some holidays needed, I think, from a human resources po- point of view. It's obviously part of Ian's um, remit to ensure his team are, are sort of cared for in that respect. And, you know, there is a there is a lot of bravado in racing about, oh, we'll work all-nighters and we'll, we'll do this and we'll do that and then we'll go testing for two days and yeah but burnout is very real and i sense that quite a few of the teams are on the cusp of that as we head to the final races but one big push and and it's done and then there'll be some much earned holidays um but overall gen 3 i think what it's given what it's delivered has exceeded expectations it's not been perfect um you know the 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 pronouncements of the pace of the cars was 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 a bit foolish ahead of the season to say that it was going to be five six seven seconds quicker than the gen 2 that was never going to be the case with the the remit of of the new tire supplier hankook to deliver what they were um, told to deliver so you know when you when you put all that into the into the master computer and feed it out. I think it has been a strong season for Formula E, far from perfect. But I think with the um, with the new, not the new regime, but obviously the new CEO in Jeff Dodds, who um, we will be interviewing extensively in London uh, this weekend. The understanding is that there are 
there is a a real will now to m- exploit much more what Formula E delivers on the good stuff, which is the racing, the the, the characters it generates, the battles, the 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 emotive stuff that grabs the uh, consumer's attention, and to really harness that much more because. Frankly, that hasn't been good enough in in the recent recent seasons, and and now that, that we can kick on, there is you know there's no particular knock on of the the pandemic apart from possibly racing in China again. I think it's it's time that Formula E really did stand up and and sort of deliver what it has promised over the final few seasons, and hopefully, Jeff Dodds and the new administration are going to deliver that in in the coming years. Yeah, I met him in Portland and. You know, asked me what I thought, and it's like, well, it, it, it's it's been the same issue really since since I started in in season one, and that's having a strong and consistent calendar and a good TV package. And I don't think those challenges have uh, have really changed. So it'll be fascinating to see, you know, uh, how he how he tackles that. But Ian, before you send your team on a uh, on a well earned break, when you reflect on the season, will would it be being packed off to Blackpool or the Bahamas? Uh, how, how would you rank it? <laughs> <laughs> I think that the, uh, you know, Sam summed up very well. First and foremost, you know, we, we've put the the real focus on, on making sure that the show is as good as it, as it can be. And, and I, for one, feel that the, the quality of the racing this year has been phenomenal. Um, I think that actually the, the different... The different styles of races that we've seen, the, the, the you know the mix of outcomes has has actually been really healthy for the sport as well. I, I, I'll be completely open and honest with you. I, you know, I I was critical at the time of of the style of what we've termed now peloton racing that we saw in Portland, especially. Interesting though, you know, I've spoken with a lot of people since then, people who've been in motorsport a lot longer than I have. Um, and their feedback has been been overwhelmingly positive. So I think, as you know, sometimes some of the frustrations, especially when I've not had a great result, you know, I need to take a step back and, and, and listen to, to what the viewers are, are seeing and experiencing. And, and I think that, as I say, the racing across the board has been been brilliant. So I, th- I think Gen 3 has very much delivered what it set out to deliver. It's now got a, you know, it's going to be a great foundation on what we, what, which we can build for the next few years as well. So I'm excited about about that um you know the frustrations that we had at the beginning of the season yes there were challenges there no no doubt um but one of the things that that i've said time and time again about formula e is that it has a, a refreshing lack of of politics you know between the between the the, the key stakeholders feo the fia the teams the manufacturers um, we're not going to agree on everything, but actually when it counts, we do have a, a great ability to come together and, and make sure that we're pulling in the right direction for, for the sport. And, and I think some of the, the changes that have, have happened recently, you know, discussions that we're having now with not only the FIA, but with, with Jeff and his team uh, on the FIA side of things, have just underlined the fact that that everybody's got a vested interest in driving this sport to reach its full potential. And I think some of the things, Andrew, that you, you just mentioned about the, the calendar, I see some really positive steps there. If I look at what's coming up next year, that that, that excites me greatly. Um, I think they are working on, on the, the broadcast side of things. And we just need to shout about it. We just need to get a lot, lot louder about the positives and, and, and be proud of what Formula E and, and all of the stakeholders have built so far. 
um, and make sure that we can that we can amplify that if you like going forward and I think if we do that then we've uh, again got a, a great sport in which we can be proud of and it'll go from strength to strength here here I think that that's that, that's what we all want right the, the the all chips rise with the tide is that that's the phrase I'm scrabbling around for isn't it well, we, we, we could do with a, a bit more uh, discord between the manufacturers, Ian. Come on. We need we need we need a bit more. We need we need more punch to keep me to keep me going during weekends and to dig these. Out. There's, a, there's enough sound behind the scenes. We'll, we'll make sure that we, we give you little tidbits every so often that we can, can continue to write about. But, it, you know, it's, it's interesting. Again, if I, if I look at what's happening and, and we're, we're an organization, of course, from the clan that we're in Formula One as well. Um, but, but to be quite frank, I, I wouldn't want to be there at the moment with, with, with some of the discussions that are going on around the, you know, the, the requirement for an eleventh team and so on and so forth. It's it it it, it almost seems sort of unnecessarily um, sort of misaligned. Um, and I think that if we ever, if we got into that situation, bearing in mind how young we are as a as a as a championship as a series, then it could be quite uh, quite toxic. So I think I think that. Again, we're we're never going to agree on on every every single point, but as long as as long as at the end of the day we we do find a way to pull in in the right direction, um, then I think we we put ourselves in a good position. Well, now you're in a relatively good and comfortable position, Sam. Maybe um, we can make you in slightly less comfortable, so you can. Uh rank his uh, driver's performance uh, over the season and then we can segue into some driver market <laughs> <Yeah>. speculation <laughs> oh seamless seamless <laughs> yes well Rene Raston and Jake Hughes I mean started exceptionally well I think um yeah I think there was a lot of surprise in in Ian and his team taking Jake Hughes but actually I don't think I was really one of them because I'd seen and spoken to Jake at length during the previous two seasons and knew that he was very focused on on getting a race seat in Formula E. And um, when we knew that Nick de Vries was going to Formula One and and Stoffel van Dorn was was on his way to DS at quite an early stage, then Jake's name was was at the forefront and um, he's made the most of it. Uh, Yes, it's tailed off and there's been a few errors as there has been with, with Rene Rast. But I think the milestones that were ticked off in a podium and a pole position um, is pretty good for a first season, especially when you look at the recalibration that the team had to make with the fact that they were a manufacturer team and then all of a sudden, very quickly, they were a customer team. And obviously, Nissan had come off the back of, of two, if not three, very difficult seasons in Formula E and had their own challenges with uh, with changes and uh, different positioning within their whole makeup, really. So, the, the, as, as Ian mentioned before, the last five races have, have garnered just one point, which is, apart from Apt Cooper, I think is the leanest uh, that a team has gone through, which, which will be a worry. And that's been a mix of... Um, uh, mechanical uh, reliability issues um, some operational stuff and, and some errors by the drivers um, so that's a concern I think looking to London uh, one of the not the headline topics but certainly an interesting one is who will finish ahead of who with Nissan and McLaren because Norman Nato's second place has all of a sudden put um, put them pretty close to, to McLaren um, and McLaren's points came at the front of the season so yeah, it's been um, I, I, a, a strong start and then it's tailed off. I mean, Ian will probably um, go into some of the reasons for that. I know he has already to some extent. But I guess, Ian, from th- that loss of form, now 
concentrating on those last two races because apart from those small blips that you had with Mercedes EQ in particularly in, in the last two seasons of your running you've never experienced a concentrated paucity of results really have you from from the group that you have not 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 to this extent no there, there was a period I think it was in season seven if I remember correctly where mid-season we had a, a quite quite a number of of races one after the other which where we, we really didn't score any points or, or very few indeed and it was uh, you know it took us a little while to recognize why at the time and I think it was we were almost it sounds strange but trying too hard we were chasing performance and, and had lost sight of, of, of effectively what we needed to do to get consistency um, this time around it's, it, it's different um, I mentioned before there's been a whole a whole raft of, of, of different reasons for why we've failed to um, to score the points in in, in the last few races. Um, uh, is it a concern of you know? I, I, I pulled the team together yesterday and I said if if there's one person here that's not frustrated, disappointed, almost angry uh, about where we're at at the moment, then then they're they're in the wrong job. You know, we we've, we we cannot be anything other than. Um, frustrated and disappointed about where we're at. Having said that, um, I think, you know, I mentioned it earlier, we, we haven't made the same mistake twice. And I think as long as we can contain those issues that we've had um, and make sure that we can that we can improve going forward, then I'm confident that we've still got the ingredients and, and the package that, um, that we need to be able to, to, to fight at the front. Um, it's key for me that, that we have a better weekend in, in London and that we finish this season on a high. I think that will be a massive boost for the, for the team. And then we can really go into season 10 with, with uh, you know, a, a good degree of confidence as well. But you just mentioned that, you know, the start of the season was very, very strong. And if I, if I reflect on that at the moment, I think, you know, we came into Gen 3. One of our one of our strengths as a team is, is the operational excellence that we've had. And I think that we were able then to to use that to our advantage it was great to see um jake especially have a have a strong mexico to put the the, the naysayers to bed and and um you know those who said i was absolutely bonkers for for signing him um that was that was really good and and, and the pole positions that he's had over the year have just underlined the fact that he's a he's a great driver um but then from that point onwards i think as other teams got to grips with the, the nuances of, of Gen 3, you know, we lost our advantage. You know, you can't just rely on the operational execution. You've, you've then got to have the performance there. And I think it's fair to say we didn't have the package and probably still haven't got the, 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 the best package on the grid. So that's something that we need to continue to work on. It's something that we, you know, will be supporting Nissan with as well. Um, they've been, in terms of collaboration, um, brilliant over the season. And we need to continue to continue to push forward on that it's interesting and, and you know you, you start to see as the pressure builds towards the end of the season sort of fractures in other relationships between manufacturers and customers and i'm you know Tommaso and i are working very hard to make sure that we we don't get into that situation um on our side and i think that would be to our benefit um and then finally i mean talking about both drivers i've just mentioned jake um had a great start you know, he's got a, a really bright future ahead of him. He's a brilliant character. He's somebody that that you know can lift the team as well, um, which is which is superb. And then Rene, we we brought him on board for that that experience and that stability. Um, and he's somebody that you know, he, despite the success that we've had in the past and the fact that we felt that operationally we were very strong, he's requested changes in the team. He's 
proactively worked with uh, with his engineers, um, with the wider group, and we've implemented those changes. And I think we're actually all the better for it as well. So the reasons that we brought him on board in the first place to to really lift enable us to lift our game. He's been um, he's been instrumental in doing that. So now I'm very very pleased with with both of them, and 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 pleased that you know despite we're not where we want to be in the championship overall, we have had that first podium for Neon McLaren Electric Racing. We have had that first um, or a number of pole positions now, and that's uh, that's 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 got to be seen as a positive. But the crucial question, Ian, is. Has Jake Hughes got you to Villa Park yet? <laughs> yeah, but that, that's nothing to do with um, the Villa Park. No, I haven't. I haven't been there. Um, but as you, you you know you know very well, Sam, football is something that uh, that uh, isn't isn't at the top of my priorities. Maybe in the off season, uh, I'll have a chat with him and see if he can get me out there. Well, it will be very much lower in your priorities if you go to Villa Park. Course, <laughs> no, comment. no comment. I was going to say that the the. the the killer question was obviously over the last couple of weeks the big f1 news is about danny ricardo coming back which of course means that nick de Vries is now a free agent obviously work together to to win a championship it's it's only natural to ask the question you know is is he on the radar for for next season <laughs> i think i think nick would be on 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 many people's radar i think it'd be crazy um not to to consider him you know he was our our first world champion in, in Formula E, um, and he's not only a, a great driver, but uh, but a great guy. I, 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 you know, I'm properly gutted for him um, that it hasn't worked out in Formula One because I think he deserved um, deserved to uh, uh, continue that journey and um, and you know get to grips with it and prove what he could he could do. Um, and obviously, that's that's no longer going to be possible so it'd be fascinating to see where his uh, his journey takes him now Sam that's probably a, a, a great note in which to to go on to talk about the rest of the driver market I would say now that Nick is available that must uh, really put a cat among the pigeons of those available drives that are there yeah, well, it'd be it'd be ironic, wouldn't it, if Nick uh, Nick turned up at Nissan, the um, <laughs> the manufacturer team that is uh, supplying Ian and and, and Neon McLaren. Um, I mean, that's the that's the hot paddock rumor. I I don't know how much actual uh, substance that has, but certainly Nissan. Um, we um, we covered the news earlier this week that Norman Nato is is set to. Um, set to be released at the end of the season. Second time that's an, that's happened to him, unfortunately, in the last three years, three seasons. So uh, there looks like there is a berth at Nissan. Um, I've heard his name associated with Maserati MSG, which initially was set to run De Vries with um, with Mortara this this year, and it could be a case of cut and paste for what should have been his 2023 program is dual program potentially there he, he could end up doing WEC with Toyota and Formula E with with either Nissan or Maserati MSG but um yet to be defined but certainly as as, as Ian said that Nick DeVries's signature will be um will be coveted in a number of teams in Formula E, yeah, an ex-champion and a multiple race winner and somebody extremely driven to to succeeding. So why wouldn't you look at him seriously? So I, I expect Nick to be back in Formula E next season. And um, yeah, generally, I think 
um, the championship will be much the better for it. And actually, from from Nick's point of view, although he he would have obviously wanted to continue his uh, Grand Prix career much more than the ten races which he was given, which in my view was was utterly uh, ridiculous. But in keeping, with, uh, it's nonsensical. Uh, it doesn't make any sense. In, in in keeping with a lot of the decisions that are made by some people at um, at Red Bull Racing, let's say. Um, you know, I think a dual campaign and, and winning more, more, more silverware in Formula E and, and WEC will, yeah, will be, uh, will be a great addition to what he's already achieved. So, yeah, let's hope he does. Let's hope he he does he does what I what I think he will do and come back to Formula E and and fight for more wins and titles in the future. Brilliant. Right. Well, I think one final bit to put you both on the spot uh, before we wrap this show up, and that's a prediction for the weekend. Uh, I'll go first. I think. Uh, Cassidy will win the first race. Evans will probably be set, win the second, but Dennis will be on the podium in both and win the championship. So, who wants to go next? Oh, nice and straightforward. Um, well, I'll go because it gives Ian a bit more time to uh, collect himself. And <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say, um, yeah, I, I don't, I'm going to be boring. I think you're pretty much bang on there, Vita B, in terms of of what will pan out. I. I, I've just got a feeling that Dennis will be on the podium in, in on Saturday's race, but but Cassidy might struggle. But the reason I say that is because I expect it to be pretty much a flat-out race, and I think there will be interlopers, such as the DS and the, the Maserati quartet, and they will just naturally end up taking points off off uh, off drivers so it could be wrapped up on saturday i think you know there needs to be that uh, if dennis can get that that 20 magic 29 point buffer or 30 point buffer that he can go into sunday with he can wrap the title up on saturday i hope that doesn't pan out and we go into sunday with uh, with a great deal of jeopardy and um and a no holes barred fight so my fan my fantasy result on saturday is for cassidy to win uh Dennis to end up in the wall, an amazing rebuild the night before, all um, all all hands to the pump, getting his car ready. We have this drama that Formula E seems to give us all the time, and then it's a straight fight between Cassidy and, and Dennis on Sunday with a with a point between them or something. That would be that would be the dream, wouldn't it? But I fear that it just won't. You know that reality will intervene. I'm afraid. So Ian, uh, Neil McLaren won two both races, right? I, I, you know what? I was just about to say you missed the big headline there. It was just going to be the uh, the Neil McLaren uh, comeback. So yeah, that that's very much the plan. Uh, let's see what we can uh, what we can achieve. And it's our home race after all, and we've got some great support from Neil uh, over the weekend as well. I think um, Sam, your uh, your uh, dream was, was pretty punchy. Uh, I have to say, and we have to assume that um, that if uh, and God forbid anybody does end up in the ball, that hopefully there are enough bits and pieces around us to get back out on the Sunday. But we should should be okay, I think. Um, but it, listen. On, aside from the drivers' championship, there is a teams' championship as well. We shouldn't forget that, um, and I think that that is a bit more open at the moment. Um, I mean, it's fascinating to see um, both with you know with, with a couple of the teams uh, on the grid they were vying for it. They've they've really only had sort of one driver that's really got to grips with Gentry and and and, and sort of been their um, standard bearer. So I think that that's kept that championship open. Um, so that's going to be interesting to see how that pans out, um, but. Uh, Listen. At the end of the day, it's going to. It's almost impossible to see a, a an end result, whatever the two races bring, that doesn't see Dennis 
um, on on top there. And I think if if he does achieve it, then it'll be very very well deserved because uh, he's had a, a phenomenal season. And and let's not forget he's had a couple of strong seasons which have preceded this one. So um, so if he does get there, I think it uh, again it'll be very very well deserved. But Whatever happens, I think it's going to be a, a cracking couple of days. Um, I'm expecting some 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 great racing at XL again, um, and uh, I think we'll put on a, a great show for the fans. Excellent. Well, uh, we wish you all the very best of luck um, for the final race, Ian, and uh, also a well-earned break over the summer. Um, Sam, thank you for your contribution as always. Uh, just a note to check the highfromrace.com for all the news and the run-up uh, to London and to check our other podcasts about F1, IndyCar, MotoGP. And also a note, I think uh, by the time this podcast goes out, we will have confirmed that we're doing a Brazilian version of the races youtube channel so uh, all the sete camera fans out there if you uh, want to listen to it in your native portuguese we should have uh, all that up and running so thank you very much and goodbye the athletic